The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Trust the process. Do you respect the process? What's going on, processing the process fans? We have an extra special episode for you today that we're, me and Ryan are both excited to do. And uh, it's going to really help us all, I think, get a grasp of what's going on in the college football world. It's going to give us a chance to really think about this weird year and this weird season and how we're all kind of handling what we're talking about and, and what's to come. So uh, I'll hand it off to Ryan here and uh, he'll bring in our uh, extra special guest. Right, is this on? All right. Am I on? Are we good? All right. Well, we're joined today by a very special guest, our first guest ever on the Processing the Process podcast. Um, he is the host of the Prospect podcast. He's also an NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports. And most importantly, Brian, he's a fellow Medina High School alum. We're joined by Chris Trapasso. How's it going? It's going good. And I was saying just before we, we signed out, I've never done a pod. I've done podcasts like with Western New York guys before, but never from the same hometown as me. So this is like extra special for me. Yes, this is awesome. You guys walked the same halls. We did. Not the same time. No, not the same time. Ryan's very young. That's what we need everyone to remember. Yes. Ryan is like basically, you know, a, a baby out of the womb. I'm 26. 20. So I'm a grown man. 26 feels like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what do you got, Ryan? What do you think? What, what, what's the number one thing you want to know from Chris? Uh, how'd you get into football, Chris? Let's, let's, let's start there. Yeah. I mean, I think like most people, uh, I grew up just in a family that was pretty obsessed with football. My dad's a huge bills fan. So I grew up a bills fan. Uh, I knew by the time, um, I, I had gone to a lot of Bills games. My dad had season tickets. We still have season tickets. Um, I knew by the time I was getting ready to, to go to college that I wanted to do something in sports. First, I thought sports management. I went to Valparaiso University in Indiana. My dad went there like 40 years ago. Um, so he kind of pushed me in that direction. They had a sports management program. Um, and then after I was there, I kind of realized uh, that I wanted to maybe go more into sports communication, sports writing, uh, started writing for the paper there, doing a radio show, just kind of diving into the media world uh, at that point. So that's kind of how I got into sports writing. Bleacher Report was kind of my first little foot in the door that right when that site started and they were really accepting anyone that wanted to write for them, started writing as a Bills writer for them. Um, and then I've kind of just made my way over the last 10 years in this field. So it just really started that my dad is a crazy bill season ticket holder that went to two super bowls uh is obsessed like sits five inches from the tv or about a foot from the tv he sits on the arm of our couch at our house when he comes over uh so he's like right next to the tv for all the bills games so i think just the fact that he was such a big uh bills fan still is my mom just my entire family had a lot of bills parties um but i'm like i'm 32 so i'm just to the point where i like 
have vague memories of the Bills Super Bowls, but I don't like remember them. Right. So I've, I have you zero. know, certainly been someone that's been itching to see this team. Yeah, just well, yeah, of course. You would <laughs> you were born at that point. Right. But I I was like three, four, five. I kind of remember the last one where they were winning uh at halftime against the Cowboys. I was like six. Um, but so just for this region, for my dad, for like family members, I've just been itching for this Bills team to actually be competitive and, and even more so than just making a playoff or, or, you know, getting to the playoffs, but actually winning some games once they get into January. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm 36. So I got uh, lucky or maybe unlucky with that because uh, as a five year old kid, six year old kid and whatnot, I'm getting crushed every year watching the bills just lose and lose and lose. I, re- I vividly remember crying at my grandma's house watching that first Super Bowl as a five-year-old. It was horrible. So I actually, yeah, I think Ryan in a way actually uh, he, he lucks out. I feel cause while he has all the drought, uh, he doesn't have the utter heartbreak of just, we're going back. We're going to win. We lose. We're right. going back. We're going to lose. We're going back. <laughs> he yeah, didn't have to deal with the ups and downs. Yeah. I yeah. don't really have that true heartbreak, but I do have the, the high, of that Ravens Bengals game when uh, Tyler Boyd caught that pass from Dalton and um, they were able to pass through to the first round. Mm. So I, I was there for that. And that is uh, one of my favorite memories. So I'm, I'm so glad. Nice. Yeah. That's only a couple of years ago. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so hopefully there's more to come. Uh, Chris, I was wondering uh, if you could tell us, how did you get into the whole scouting prospects and, and really developing grades and stuff and, and ideas around prospects as it goes to the NFL draft. Yeah, I've always been a big college football fan too. Like my dad, it's like Saturday, Sundays, we watch college football Saturdays, uh, NFL Sundays, like a lot of people do with their dads um, and their parents when they're younger. So I always had an interest for the college game. And then as I got into writing about the NFL I just realized, and you see it from beat writers in any city, not just Buffalo, but across the country, that in free agency, you kind of have to become almost like a financial expert, know about dead cap and signing bonus money and stuff. And then in the draft, you kind of dive into the draft a little bit. Um, And I think right when I realized that it was a team or just writing about the NFL like I was doing – um, that you really had to dive into all the elements of the offseason as well, that I just really wanted to dive into the NFL draft, uh, maybe more than just the traditional writer was doing. Uh, so, And then beyond just watching film, uh, over the last few years, I've kind of formulated a, a grading scale that kind of helps me remove some bias that I don't realize I have, but I, everyone has. Um, it just spits out a number for me after watching film. Uh, so that's kind of how – it's not really a great story. I just was more into college football and dove deeper into the draft every draft season. And 2014, 2015, 2016, started to really dive into it. Got the job with CBS before the start of the 2017 season, which is perfect for the Bills because I watched like all of Josh Allen at Wyoming, all that 2018 draft class, um, and really had to evaluate those players. So I just was a big college football fan and just dove deeper every spring. And then now I do it year round. Yeah. That's pretty much the same for you. You were just deep into the college football. So. Right. Yeah. I, I, I watched Saturdays with my dad and my brother and um, my, I'm a Michigan fan because when I was a kid watching, when I was 12, 13, there wasn't all the networks covering, you know, ESPN and ESPN. They didn't cover the college football scene like we get now. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm much more uh, aware of uh, different players to watch 
um, just because we have better access now. Like, I don't think I could ever have watched Baylor on a Saturday afternoon back yep. in the day. So little things like that definitely make it easier. Yep. For sure. So, um, Chris, what, what is your favorite part about scouting? That's a great question. It's, it's, it's pretty general, but it's a good one because I think my favorite part is learning over time, like over year to year that uh, like not just learning how to become a better scout, but how the NFL game is evolving based on what the colleges are giving to the NFL and kind of tweaking and saying, Hey, you know, five years ago, I wanted a quarterback who was just going to stand in the pocket uh, couldn't really run. I didn't care about that. And now we're seeing that position evolve. We're seeing linebackers that are smaller now. We're seeing wide receivers that can get open as opposed to, you know, the post contested. Quickly the NFL evolves. Um, it's, I think that's my favorite part is like finding different types of players that have different skills and then trying to weigh like, hmm, does that matter? Do I care that this – interior defensive lineman is only six foot 280 or do I not care three years ago I would have cared but now I don't like I think beyond just watching the film and just getting a whole new crop of prospect I think my favorite part is seeing how the game how quickly the college game and then in turn the NFL game changes and it's to me it's a it's an annual process right it's a, a, a constant uh evolution because there's always the graduation you have um, not just the players coming in, but you also have college coaches uh, moving up the ranks and getting in the yep. NFL and they bring in, you know, the new philosophies. I like that. That's a good point. Um, what would you say is your toughest position to evaluate or maybe just overall, who do you, who you, what do you think is the toughest position to evaluate? Yeah, this like question comes up a lot whenever I listen to a podcast, radio thing of any other uh like draft analysts and i think and i don't see i don't hear this answer a lot i think it is by far quarterback mm -hmm. that a lot of times it's corner it's safety i hear that which because if you're not getting all 22 film you can't really see a safety but now there's getting to be a little bit more access to all 22 film for college um and yes safeties would probably be the second hardest because they aren't involved in like every play right. but it's by far quarterback because i think that position more than any uh, is the most mental position on the field that there are schemes in college now that are very quarterback friendly. Like you mentioned Baylor. Um, I think just off the top of my head, even the spread system that Mitchell Trubisky ran at North Carolina, they were in like five wide the entire time. It was a one read offense basically for him. He looked good in that offense, but we've seen in the NFL uh, when he's had to make multiple reads on a play when his first read isn't wide open then that's when he can really struggle so uh i think quarterback it's more mental than anything else and that's the position that to me uh is the most reliant upon the offensive line the receivers even the defense the running backs that i think yes someone like patrick mahomes or aaron Rodgers in his prime tom brady can elevate a team but i think the predominant amount of quarterbacks even first rounders that are still good prospects need to have a quality environment around them. So you could say, I love Josh Rosen. I love what he did at UCLA. He looks pro ready. He has great footwork, accuracy, but then he gets to the NFL. He's in Arizona. The line's bad. He has Larry Fitzgerald and no one else. Dolphins last year, you know, obviously a bottom feeding roster. Uh, 
who knows if Josh Allen, if, if Josh Rosen landed with the bills or the Browns, we could be talking about one of these other quarterbacks as a backup who might get cut again, like we are with Josh Rosen at this point. So because of the mental aspects, so much of it, uh, dealing with pressure, going through your reads, processing uh, the fact that colleges can make it easy for quarterbacks. And then just the situations that you just don't know what they're going to have once they get to the NFL level. That's why I think it's the easy answer, but it's the, the correct answer for me is quarterback is the toughest position to evaluate. Right. Right. And it's, it's also like, like Patrick Mahomes is going to be linked to the bills forever. Cause right. you know, they traded that pick and everyone's like, well, if the bills have mm-hmm. Mahomes, where yep. are we? But you don't know how Mahomes is going to be without Andy Reid or Tyree kill, but rather he's thrown to Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones. Yeah. Like we, we, you just don't know. Yeah. So 2017, um, I, yeah, I like that you're bringing up Josh Rosen and not knowing because he fell into two horrible teams back to back. Baker Mayfield, it, we're about to see kind of a microcosm just staying on him and himself is you have an inept potential, you know, it, first coach flames out. We knew that was probably going to happen. Interim comes in. He actually gets, you know, the chance to run the team next year. He flames out. He's onto his third coach. Are we ever going to really know what Baker Mayfield is? I mean, that's such a tough task to be able to three different systems, three consecutive years coming from a, you know, a system in Oklahoma where it was very spread happy and a lot of really gifted athletes. So I I think that's a good point and and you got to stay balanced and that's where probably the grading system helps you. Yeah, I think if we don't see marked improvement from him in Kevin Stefanski's offense that got the most out of Kirk Cousins, uh, that is a pretty quarterback friendly with all the play action that they run, uh, the bootlegs that slide the pocket to kind of protect the offensive line uh, or can mask some flaws on the offensive line. If we don't see that with Odell Beckham getting close to 30, Jarvis Landry getting close to 30, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, drafting Jedrick Wills, like they, they brought in Jack Conklin to play right tackle. If we don't see it from Baker Mayfield this year, I don't think the Browns should instantly caught him or trade him. I just, don't know if we'll ever see it from him but it is a difficult situation to go from Hugh Jackson uh Freddie Kitchens and then have your third coach I think look here in Buffalo the stability that Josh Allen has had the emphasis on building the offensive line uh since Brandon Bean got here to Buffalo um bringing in all the wide receivers I think that's part of the reason why we've seen Josh Allen go from this raw quarterback raw but very talented to the quarterback he is today and is set up to be this season and then Baker Mayfield Heisman Trophy winner, 70% completion, air raid system that's really in vogue now, not really improved from where he was at Oklahoma because that system – and that was part of the reason I wasn't so high on Baker Mayfield because I figured his situation was never going to be better in the NFL than what it was at Oklahoma. That's a good point. All five offensive linemen got drafted. Marquise Brown, he played with a year with C.D. Lamb. Uh, The tight end, Mark Andrews, who's one of the best tight ends in the league. They had good running backs. The defense – wasn't great, but they were in shootouts. And that system, you can ride a fake pulling guards, play action, four verticals. Like, that system to me was, like, the most quarterback-friendly system. And it proved to be with Kyler Murray stepping in, becoming the number one overall pick out of nowhere. And then Jalen Hurts, who was not really a capable passer whatsoever at Alabama, having a really, really good season. 
we're seeing that really the situation for as talented as a quarterback can be, the situation in college and then compared to the NFL can have a huge impact on their early development in the NFL. Yep. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. So uh, moving on here, um, what's, what position is the easiest for you to evaluate, or I guess your, your, your favorite position to evaluate? Uh, man, I think running back is probably my favorite and it's the easiest. Um, and I'm not going to say that it's not a mental position. Cause I was saying that quarterback was the most difficult or part of the reason why was because of the mental side, but running backs, it's like, if they're elusive and they have contact balance in college and they can run away from people in college, they're probably going to do that at the NFL level. That's why Devin Singletary was my number one running back uh, in the 2019 draft class. A lot of people had Josh Jacobs. I, I still think Josh Jacobs is a good back, um, but Devin Singletary just was never tackled at FAU. Like his contact balance, elusiveness, his lateral agility, didn't run away from a lot of people. He, he ran four six six at the combine, but you see it with so many running backs that are even smaller or playing at lesser schools like Devin Singletary did that if you're elusive, if you have good vision, it doesn't just go away once you get to the NFL level. You may not run away from defensive backs down the field as frequently, but it's very hard to find a running back that just has good film of what, not just a perfectly blocked play that he can take 75 yards, but making defenders miss, bouncing off tacklers. It's hard to find that film and then see that running back not be a good ball carrier in the NFL. Joe Mixon, Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, all had tremendous film and all have been good running backs. It's very hard to find someone that has good college film and doesn't produce in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. Um, staying local, UB prospect, Jared Patterson, that's when I was watching him the last two years, that's what I was watching. And I was like, small school side, I think this kid possesses every single skill that you need to start with. Now, there's needs to be other things that go along with it. But like you said, you need to have that contact balance. You need to have the vision. You know, the patience comes in handy too. You know, Le'Veon Bell is a guy that I like to compare a lot um, for a good starting point for a running back. Because if you don't start with those basic core principles, you're going to struggle big mm -hmm. time. And, and coming from big programs like Trent Richardson came from Alabama, he clearly did not possess all those. And he struggled with the vision. And he clearly didn't understand how to stay patient. And it's even coming from a big school, you guys have, you have guys that flame out even looking good in college. But then you go to a small school, and I think you bring up a good point where you really got to um, stay to the basics. And that, that's going to sell a prospect and whether he's going to be able to stay in the NFL, not necessarily excel, not be one of the top echelon guys, but just stay in the league. Yeah, and just one last quick point on running backs. Again, it's really to hammer home the point. There's times, and I think Trent Richardson's a prime example, that Alabama offensive line in 2010-2011, Herb, there's a lot of times where Trent Richardson was running through like the parting of the Red Sea right, in that right. offense with a full head of steam. He was running guys over. He was, it was the vision, the ability to sink the hips, make a cut laterally, uh, absorb contact, maybe even behind the line of scrimmage and continue forward. That's the stuff that Devin Singletary can do. LaShawn McCoy certainly did in his prime. A lot of the best running backs in the league, contact balance and elusiveness. I think if you check those two boxes, you're going to be a good back. I don't think Trent Richardson, he looked the part, but he was the beneficiary of a very running back friendly offense in Alabama about 10 years ago. But if, if you have contact balance, 
that you can take a hit and continue forward and you have good elusiveness, just naturally elusive, uh, then you're going to be a good back in the league. And you'll show that on your college film. Right. I agree 100%. Um, moving on to the next topic, this is the one that really I was excited to have someone like you on, especially because um, we get to talk about uh, one of your fine articles, is uh, of the players and um, that exist in the conferences that have already canceled or postponed their seasons, uh, which ones do you, are you most disappointed not to see? And, and which ones do you think maybe hurt or hurt the most by it? Like right away, I'll, I'll just take one out of it because it's a big name guy, Justin Fields, not being able to see Justin Fields play in the next couple of weeks here is going to suck because I, I, not that I was sold on the guy and not that I wasn't sold on the guy, but it's the Ohio state offense. It's the Ohio state recruits. These kids are, are super talented. The scheme is well established and I really wanted to see how he could set himself apart from other Ohio State quarterbacks because we really haven't seen a lot of them succeed on the next level. So was he going to be one of those guys that breaks the trend? Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I mean, he's probably the most obvious one. Yeah. Uh, just for a lot of those points that you brought up because he did look the part, not just of an Ohio State quarterback who can produce, because like you said, a lot of the quarterbacks, uh, JT Barrett before him, Braxton Miller, um, they produced, but they never really translated to the NFL because that's another system. And just with the skill position players around it, like you mentioned, that is very quarterback friendly, but Justin Fields looked different. He's bigger, has a better arm than all of those quarterbacks that I mentioned. Um, I thought he was very good playing mistake-free football last year for the Buckeyes. You uh, certainly has the athleticism element as well. I thought he got through his reads pretty quickly um, when that first wide receiver wasn't open. So to see what he could have done just from all the fine details of playing the position, that's a bummer. Uh, probably Gregory Rousseau beyond him, uh, the defensive lineman, edge rusher for Miami. He's 6'7", almost 260, 270, 15 and a half sacks as a true or a redshirt freshman was really impressive. Uh, some of those sacks were covered sacks. They were on twists where he wasn't really winning one-on-one. -on -one. I just wanted to see how much he was going to bulk up to um, and if his pass rush move arsenal was going to get more advanced. Was he going to be able to win with a swim move, a spin move, inside move, um, show some more bend around the corner? He has like a Julius Peppers frame. Um, so I was really excited to see if, if he could continue to refine his game. And one last player, Rondell Moore from Purdue, uh, two years ago, he was the Tyree kill of college football as a freshman. That Ohio State game where Purdue upset Ohio State uh, in primetime, Rondell Moore was playing on the field with 10 or 15 future NFL players, and he was the best player on the field at 18, 19 years old. So got injured early last year, had two huge games to start this season, got injured four games in. I was really excited to see him as a junior uh, with his separation ability, yards after the catch, and just his long speed to see if the NFL was maybe going to get another Tyreek Hill. Maybe we will, but just to not be able to see him in the Big Ten this year where I think he would have just lapped the competition, I'm kind of bummed that we're not going to see Rondell Moore. Yeah, he falls into that group. But there's a few wide receivers that already opted out, even ones that are um, playing at their conferences are still going to carry on with the season. I've seen there's been uh, three or four wide receivers uh, of this pretty talented class that have already opted out. So, yeah, that's, that's a good call. Uh, Rondell Moore is definitely on my uh, watch list. And, uh, yeah, I – Purdue, man, they don't get too many. And when they get a chance to have them on the national stage, I'm sure they're, all their fans are pretty bummed about that too. Uh, Ryan, would you yeah, go for absolutely. the next? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, for those guys that can still come back and play, um, what would your advice be to um, those guys? Well, I think for – if you're in the ACC, Big 12, or the SEC, like, I'm fine with those players playing. Um, there's not any running back that really stands out to me that has already gotten two or three years of a full workload. Because usually those running backs, if you're going to be a senior at the running back spot and you've had – like back-to-back years of 250 carries. I, I don't really see the need to come. Uh, from Mississippi State. was Everyone thought was going to enter this uh, 2020 draft class, decided to come back to Mississippi State. Like if he all of a sudden said, I'm going to opt out or I, I'm just going to declare for the draft and not play, I would be fine with that. But all the other players, go and play. Put some more film out there, um, not just for myself, but for more importantly, the scouts and the GMs. Um, because – there's very few players, even someone as talented as, as uh, Justin Fields, that look to be pro-ready right away before what could be their final year at the collegiate rank. So there's certainly – any of these players have things that they can improve upon. So if you're in, in those three Power Five conferences or any of the other conferences that have not canceled their seasons yet, go out, try to improve on your weaknesses, strengthen your strengths, put better film out there before the 2021 draft. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, trying to think. Uh, well, running back to Sir, well, Travis Etienne. You know, he he toyed at the idea of coming out last year. I wasn't sure that was a name that I was thinking about as I was watching the wide receivers opt out. Should he have opted out? Should he think about maybe just packing it in? Because really, um, he could sit out the whole year, and I think he'd still be one of the first running backs taken. But yeah, know- that's a good one. That one, I. I totally forgot about him. I was thinking, uh, which I shouldn't, but I was thinking of SEC running backs. Travis Etienne, that was the biggest stunner uh, in terms of the declarations in last year's draft class or this past year's draft class that, like, why didn't he declare? Like, he's done everything. He would probably be one that probably could still be a late first or an early second round pick if he did not play. And he's probably risking too much uh, at, of course, the position that has the shortest shelf life. Uh, at the running back spot going out there to play a full season for Clemson. And Clemson is going to probably play 14 or 15 games uh, knowing the talent that they have in that offense and on defense. Yep. And uh, that kind of brings us to our next point, which is of the conferences they're staying in, we got Big 12, we got um, the SEC and the ACC. We don't know if they're going to do a playoffs yet. They haven't really – the NCAA has been kind of quiet about it. So we really don't know if they're going to try and pull it off or not. But let's say they do. Let's say those three conferences say that they're going to figure out some sort of way of keeping the playoff intact. What teams are you uh, most high on right now as, uh, as the college football season is right now? Well, I think the two almost seasonal entries into the college football playoff, Clemson and Alabama, um, even without Tua Tungavailoa, Alabama, just they reload with five-star recruits. Um, Nick Saban is the best defensive mastermind at the collegiate level. Um, I didn't really hate what Mac Jones did late in the season. They still have two probably first-round wide receivers and Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith. Najee Harris decided to return. Um, their big running back who kind of has shades of Derrick Henry, not quite as big, but still 6'2", 230, 240. He's a big back, very athletic. And then Clemson, uh, just because Trevor Lawrence, they lost a lot. Um, to lose T Higgins, to lose some of the guys that they lost in the secondary, obviously Isaiah Simmons, Kayvon Wallace, their slot uh, corner safety, uh, I thought was a very good player. So those two, uh, to lose Ohio State's tough. I think Florida is going to be really good. 
Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if we get two or three teams from the SEC because we don't have the Pac-12, we don't have the Big Ten. Um, and then probably just because what Lincoln Riley can do um, in standpoint, Oklahoma is probably – it would be nice to see some different teams in the college football playoff, but I think the usual suspects will kind of rise to the top this year. Unless I'm completely missing a team that's really obvious – um, Notre Dame potentially, but I really yeah. think Clemson and Alabama just look like the teams that are most ready to compete for a national title again. Yeah, I don't think Notre Dame's um, necessarily contending for the national championship, but this may be one of their better looks at um, getting into the four teams in uh, the last couple of years. I know they made it not too long ago, but um, being a, an, an independent like they are, it, that's a weird spot to be in. Yeah. So I actually hope that uh, the side part of this that happens is it pushes them to get into a conference even just joining the ACC, um, yep. I don't, I don't like them being independent and just kind of picking and choosing who they play and don't play. I'd, I'd rather them get stuck to uh, one conference and just have to play the normal schedule year in year out. So really, all yeah, we got left totally here agree. before we uh, let you go, Chris. Um, let's do some quick thoughts on who, uh, who you're looking forward to at the top of the draft, and then uh, if you got any favorite books or any resources you can recommend, um, I would definitely uh, like to hear those. Well, to add on to that, yeah. that first question, I want to hear your thoughts on this showcase game for Trey Lance. I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a good question to bring up. I mean, it's almost like breaking news. It just got um, reported today. It shows that North Dakota State uh, is trying to, even though they're at a lesser level, they're, they're not D1, uh, that they want to show their recruits and their players that they are preparing them for the NFL. It's, it's tech technically just a showcase really for Trey Lance. But if you're someone that's deciding what college you want to go to if you have to go that FCS level, be able to say, Hey, look, this school is going to put on a showcase for its best player. Essentially. Um, I think that's, I mean, it might not be the smartest thing with coronavirus, although uh, I, I doubt in North Dakota, they have a very high coronavirus rate at this point. So it might not be as bad as, as people are thinking, like they're not doing this in, Texas or in Florida where the rates are pretty high. It's interesting. It's, it's not, it was just surprising to see it because they did cancel uh, their season, but now they're deciding to play this game against central Arkansas. I don't really know how much it's going to help Trey Lance to play against central Arkansas um, beyond the fact that watching his film last year, and I was very impressed with him. I think he's a first round prospect. North Dakota state ran the football like 45 times a game. Like he averaged like 20 pass attempts per outing. And there was, Watching his film, I was like, man, I want to see more from him because you love the arm strength, can flick the ball, just jumps out of his hand, um, very athletic. He didn't throw an interception, had 28 touchdowns, no picks last year. Um, it was a pretty conservative offense, but he did drop some balls into the bucket down the field. So maybe in that game they're just going to have him throw like 60 times so he gets more reps. I don't know. That will be weird because forever North Dakota State, even with Carson Wentz, they were running the football uh, quite often, and they did it a lot last year with Trey Lance. He's like the X factor. There's always one X factor quarterback in every draft class. And coming from North Dakota State, you know, the dominant program at the FCS level, um, there's just not a lot that's known about him. He wasn't like Carson Wentz, who started for two or three seasons uh, before entering the NFL. Not quite as big as Carson Wentz, but has good size. Um, we'll check a lot of boxes. Uh, but again, I don't know how much playing against Central Arkansas is going to necessarily help him. Uh, some teams are going to have him as a third rounder. Other teams are probably going to have him inside the top 10 because the natural talent is there. And there were not a lot of throws that were put in harm's way 
along with a lot of really big time throws when he was able to unleash last season. Yeah. So then just um, for the amateurs out there, um, anyone that's looking to expand on maybe more of an X's and O's level and more of a behind the scenes scouting kind of um, look, uh, do you have anything that you've gone to in the past? Um, trying to think of books that I've read. I, like when I first got into scouting, I read Pat Kerwin's book. Yep. Uh, that's take your, it's called take your eye off the ball. I think that's a great um, one. Yeah. I, there weren't a lot of other just strictly scouting books that I read, but definitely, uh, I mean, this sounds kind of obvious, but watching as much film as you can um, and, and really zeroing in on what the player that you're scouting did on a specific play. There's so many times where even during draft season, I'll see someone tweet out a play where it's a bubble screen to a wide receiver and it's blocked perfectly. And the wide receiver just has a clear lane for 50 yards to run to the end zone. And the tweets like, look at this play by this wide receiver. And it's like, but what did the receiver do on that play? Was that that difficult? And when it comes to edge rushers, the same thing. Was this player not really blocked? Uh, or was there a clear path to the quarterback? Did he get the sack uh, after four seconds? Um, to really zero in and distill everything else that's happening on the field besides what you're seeing from the prospect that you're scouting. Um, there's a few databases out there. What's on NFL Draft? Mark Jarvis runs that. Uh, it's a pretty cool database that's free. If you look at him up on Twitter, um, it's a huge database of film. So, like, I don't think it's fully updated yet for 2021. But as you get into the draft season, they have a team that still cuts up a lot of games that are on YouTube. So you can watch uh, Nick Bosa at Ohio state, just his reps on the defensive side. So that's, it's really good to just have those resources. So you're not trying to DVR games and take forever to fast forward through them. There's enough resources today. Um, what's on NFL draft for Mark Jarvis. That's a really good one to look at. And Jesse Fritch, Fritch, I think his name is. He also runs one that is just a huge database of all the top prospects. You can see four or five games uh, to give yourself a better idea of what you're seeing on film from these players. Okay. Uh, yeah, before we let you go, um, I know you had the, the Pac-12 article out. Uh, maybe you want to give a heads up on what you're working on or anything else I've missed. Yeah, I just did a Pac-12 preview of just the prospects that we're not going to really hear a lot about for a while. I'm going to probably revert back to it kind of point to it over the next couple months because we're not going to get those Pac-12 players on the field uh, this season and just ran through like the top prospects for all 12 teams. Uh, Oregon was completely loaded, uh, even though they lost Justin Herbert. Their secondary seems like an NFL secondary right now. Javon Holland, the safety, is probably going to be a first rounder. I really like Thomas Graham as well. They're the really feisty cornerback can play inside or out. USC was pretty loaded this year. Um, their quarterback was only a true sophomore, Keaton Slovis, but Amon Ross St. Brown, it's Equinamius, his brother, uh, okay. looks really slippery on film. Good after the catch. He's smaller. Equinamius was like 6'5". He's only like 6'1". Uh, but he looks like a first or second round prospect, can separate, very good after the catch. Have a good guard too. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, very good in pass protection, very balanced. So I kind of just ran through. Those are the two like premier teams, I thought from a draft perspective in the Pac-12. Um, tomorrow for CBSSports.com, I'll have, uh, which I don't, I don't know when this podcast is it, coming out, come but up, it'll, it'll um, come out tomorrow. this week at, at okay, CBSSports.com uh, on Tuesday, I'll have 
I'll rank the top young cores in the NFL, like offensive skill position players and quarterbacks. Like beyond doing draft stuff, I do like young player analysis for CBS sports, just having scouted these guys in 2018, 2019, 2020, they want me to do more young NFL player evaluation. So I'm just going to rank like Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley, uh, Ravens, Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Brown, the teams that look to be, I don't want to say set for the next seven years, but have a good offensive skill position cores with really a heavy emphasis on teams that have young quarterbacks. So that's what I'm working on this week. Um, and I'm going to plug a podcast on a podcast. Every day I do the prospect podcast, just random thoughts that are going through my head, 10, 15, 20 minutes, not anything super long. NFL drafted young NFL players. Just I usually do it here on my porch uh, or upstairs in my bedroom while my girls are running around crazy downstairs. Uh, so that's like what I have on my plate over the next couple of days. Sounds good. All right. Well, Chris, uh, we appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, definitely means a lot. You're our first guest. So uh, we, we really appreciate your time. Yeah, and hey, during draft season, we should do this again when we can actually have more, or even during bill season, if 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 Devin Singletary and, and Zach Moss and Gabe Davis are playing well, let's come on and, and or I can come on and talk about the Bills and some of their young players. Uh, uh, yeah, for uh, sure. We actually just got a heads up that uh, our network is uh, getting a Bills podcast, so we can do a little crossover with him maybe too. Perfect. All right, Chris, appreciate All right. it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. Do you trust the process? Do you respect the process? Come on, get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys, here's the situation. Two minutes left, zero timeouts, down by a touchdown. we got to drive 75 yards. All right, we can do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify? So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready, set, mother Delay of game, offense.